Uh, good afternoon. We apologize. We're running behind. We have about 30 minutes. Uh, early today, General David um, Perkins uh, led a panel on the multi-domain battle uh, with special address by uh, Honorable Work, uh, along with other service chiefs and uh, Under Secretary Davidson. So, based on that information, we wanted to have an opportunity for you to ask questions. So, this is what this opportunity is for. Uh, we do have press kits if you're available. If you don't have one, it's on our website, or we can get you one today. Uh, with that, um, I will hand it over to General Perkins and let him uh, have a couple opening comments, and then, if you would, uh, answer any questions, and I will support that. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. Yeah, I'll be brief because I know we're a little behind schedule today. It's the second day with a lot of content. We're trying to jam into things, so it's, I guess it's a little understandable. Um, Earlier today, I think maybe a lot of you were in it, we had the multi-domain panel, uh, as he said, with uh, let off uh, Deputy Secretary of Defense uh, work, and then uh, myself along with Chief Staff of the Air Force, Commandant, and Under Secretary of the Navy, uh, Admiral Harris, uh, and then um, Bob Brown tied up. Oh, and then we had uh, uh, our Australian friends were there as well, laid out some of the uh, precepts and tenants at how we're looking at the future, and I think General Milley did a great job sort of, of laying out what we're calling the operational environment, what we think the world's going to we describing the world. It's hard to predict precisely, but describing the threats that are out there, and then some of the attributes and characteristics we want, and the U.S. Army is part of the Joint Force and as a member of a coalition, because we will always be part of the Joint Force and always part of a coalition. So this aspect of multi-domain battle, any of you who are, you don't have to be too much of a student of history, kind of current history since it was the Army uh, that I came in as a lieutenant, and hopefully I'm not that old, uh, know that sort of the last big concept we had in the Army was air-land battle uh, that we used to really to drive change as the Army came out of Vietnam in the early 70s. <clears throat> and at that point, you know, I guess the term of art we use a lot is the pivot to somewhere. Uh, and so we started looking at Europe and the Soviet Union and the Cold War as, as, um, uh, as we came out of Vietnam and, and understood that the army that we had at the time was not the army that we needed to deal with a, you know, significantly outnumbered conventional force in Europe. And so we came up with air land battle. Let's, we, in other words, we can't win on just what we used to called COFAMS, Correlation of Forces, tanks, artillery, et cetera, like that, in land. In other words, they had more than we had. They outranged us. So the math was never going to work out unless we quadrupled the size of the Army, and that was not on the drawing board. So we said, hey, let's add the other domain in there, air domain, to get us some synergy. And then we just started to use what we had on land differently instead of when I came in the Army, it was active defense, which was kind of you defend here, dig in, defend here. We switched to maneuver warfare where you would maneuver throughout the depth of the enemy formation. And then once you get the concept, you said, yeah, but we don't have the equipment to do that. When I came in the Army as an armor officer, we had M60 tanks. They, weren't, they didn't maneuver very well. They weren't that fast. They weren't that accurate. In fact, you had what we call a coincidence range finder. It was an optical way to determine range, so you couldn't, and if you were driving, it couldn't compensate for the change of range. So it was not really an offensive capability. But see, that's the power of concepts, because once you have a concept as the intellectual basis, it then drives change in the Army, because then you say, I need new doctrine, I need new organization, I need training, 
So we developed the combat training centers. When I first came in the Army, we didn't have the National Training Center, and we built that so that we could use the Apache and the M1 tank and, and the Blackhawk and all those things. So that our Army is a concept-based, doctrine-driven Army. Not all armies are. In uh, in doctrine, as I said earlier today, runs the Army day-to-day. -day. We run it by doctrine, and concepts change the Army. So multi-domain battle is our new concept that we now flush out what we call DOPMIL PF Solutions, Doctrine, Organization, Training, Leader, Development, Materiel, Personnel, Facilities. And so that we'll be working that uh, earnestly uh, from here on out. So with that, I'll, I'll kind of open up to questions. I mean, you don't have to ask me a question about that, but that's sort of been what today has been about, both what I talked about and the Chief mentioned it a couple times as well. So with that, sir. Out. Obviously, like you said, the parameters, the attributes. Of yeah, the, the operational environment, the challenges. And he said, I'll just to pull one out, we're going to sink ships. These yeah. sound like significant capabilities that the Army doesn't possess at this right. time. So without expanding the Army, like you said, after Vietnam, how yeah. do you achieve those capabilities? So, and I think Admiral Harris talked about this, I don't know if you were at our panel and when he sort of beamed him from the Pacific. So part of this is we have to think differently about how we use the Army as part of the Joint Force. And, um, and so one of the terms of multi-domain battle, we're saying cross-domain fires, that we have to look at our systems to generate fires. So let me say a missile system. In fact, I was just down at Fort Sill last week, which is our fire center, artillery, air defense artillery, and saying, you know what, if, if we have high Mars or some type of missile system, that it goes you know, from land to land, which is generally what we focus on now in the Army. We focus primarily on land to land fires. You know, we probably ought to think about can we use land-based missile systems to not only do that, but put an, an adversarial Navy at risk. So can you have land uh, to ship missile systems? Quite honestly, the tell folks, the, the physics is not that much different. Uh, the, the relative humidity of the point of impact doesn't really affect the physics of it that much. So then you have, for instance, say you take a high Mars, which we have now, kind of the uh, artillery in a box, and say I need to put a capability uh, to engage maritime assets on that. A big part of it is it's really not that much technically uh, different for the missile system where you really have to start thinking through that is what is your doctrine, organization, training, and leader development? So we have DCDs now in the Army that are co-located with Air Force units to, to deconflict and coordinate airspace. Uh, so that if, you know, if I fire an air defense missile, we understand friend or foe. If I'm going to shoot artillery to make sure there's no aircraft there. So we deconflict that. We have no organization like that really to coordinate fires on, on, uh, on water, on the maritime domain. We don't, in the Army, we don't even have really what I would call situational awareness of the maritime domain. We don't have this common operating picture. And quite honestly, the United States Navy probably doesn't think nowadays is thinking, well, our primary anti-ship capability is coming from the United States Army. Now, the good news is most of our adversaries don't think that either. And so if you're the maritime force of an adversary saying, i gotta, I got to worry about the Navy, i got to worry about submarines, i got to worry about aircraft carriers, if they say, and you got to worry about the United States Army, from land, that's a dilemma that's going to be difficult. So it's not really more about expanding the size of it. It is about taking some of the technology we have now and adapting it, which if you take a look at those are preliminary examples, it's not that hard. 
then you have to reorganize yourself, both the Navy, the Army, your contingency operations, train people differently. So that's why coming up with the technology, it's important, but it's really what we call the dot mill PF. And I think the DepSec talked about it too. I can give anyone a bunch of night vision goggles, but until you have the doctrine, organization, training, leader development, and all that that goes along with it, it's a box of night vision goggles. So with regards to that, the, the, the C part is not a technical challenge as much as it is sort of organizational and a doctrinal aspect. Sir. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it all comes back to my inbox. As soon as I give a briefing, I'm thinking, hey, these PowerPoint slides are done. I'm good to go, and it comes right back to me, you know. But, but so then what must be done? What's the next step towards yeah. actually achieving something so, Yeah, like so, so I, won't get, I won't get in too mundane on, on how we do this, uh, but this is the very beginning of a concept. We kind of have some white papers out on that, and we have within – I'll tell you how we do it within the Army and then collaborate. So within the Army – we have the centers of excellence, so we have the Maneuver Center of Fort Benning with the fire centers at Fort Sill, et cetera. So once we kind of have some, this, this overarching concept, then what we start doing is having, is developing what we call functional concepts. So we have multi-domain battle. I think one part of that is uh, cross-domain fires. So now I turn to Fort Sill and say, okay, I need you to start thinking about how would you do this from your aspect of it. Then we're talking, for instance, uh, now term that we were actually just in the last couple of days, Joe McMaster and I talked about, uh, cross-domain uh, uh, cross maneuver, okay? So then that, when you start thinking about that, so the maneuver center is down at Fort Benning, but also at Fort Rucker is the aviation center. So cross-domain maneuver means you're maneuvering now on air and on land and working that synergy part of it. We talked a lot about cyber. So the Cyber Center of Excellence is down at Fort, Gar Fort Gordon, saying now you have to have a functional concept about cyber, not just from a cyber point of view, but think about the maneuver guys. So it's not just the cyber warriors knowing how to do control alt F9, whatever that does. It's like infantrymen need to know how to use cyber, maybe at a tactical level, first of all, to defend their networks, and then they might have electromagnetic capability within the electromagnetic spectrum, electronic warfare capability that they can bring to bear. So again, now what we have to do is start getting into the details. We do it by functional concepts, but the, the difference here is, as I go to my functional folks, I have to say, don't think about it in a very narrow, narrow constrained manner that was just, I'm doing this for the Army, land to land. I'm a fires guy, it's all about artillery. Well. No, it's not. It's not just about artillery with regards to supporting infantry. And I command an infantry division, so I, I love artillery supporting infantry. But it's like, is there something you can do with regards to the maritime domain? What can you do with regards, since you have air defense, are there weapon systems and tactics, techniques, and procedures that I can get a, a, uh, a multi-domain capability out of one system? You know, a system that can be used on land, the, the same system with maybe just a tweak of software or something that could be used against anti-ship. Maybe that same system also could be uh, air defense, could provide me some level of, as I said, separatist forces in Ukraine have gained air superiority without even having an air force. They do it from land. And so we go down to this, we then conduct business like we always have with the functional concepts, but we're now forcing them to be much broader. So that's within the Army. But now we're saying if this really is going to be a joint construct like the DEF-SEC-DEF, 
uh, I think made a, a great presentation and all the other folks, we actually now have a uh, multi-domain task force with the Marines. So the Commandant was there, uh, General Neller. We're already working with the folks down at Mitsidic at Quantico, sort of like their trade-off, uh, working on this. Um, and, uh, in fact, we had a meeting at TRADOC about a month or so ago with Air Combat Command, uh, Force R, Air Force General, Fleet Forces Command, the um, Navy's Force R down that area, MiGSIDIC, which is the Marine Corps and the DEPSEC staff, and myself rolled on TRADOC talking about this. What does this mean uh, between the services? And so this, there could be some very fundamentally different ways, not only about thinking about it, but then actually how you make it happen, like you said, what, what do you have to do? And you, and you can't use the same processes and the same uh, thought processes because you'll get the same answer. So it, this takes a lot of um, collaborative discussing and, and framing the issue in a way that people, it's kind of like uh, Admiral Harris said, it, uh, that if you keep using the same pattern, people always look at the solution coming from the previous pattern. Part of what we're trying to do now is, you know, disrupted in patternology, if, if that's a term, okay? I guess if I'm the trade-off commander, I can make it a doctrinal term, right? So that's sort of how, that's the next step that we're going about. Sydney. Yeah, I know you got cut off at the end because we went late at the other thing. That, so. that's, that's okay. I knew I would get you later. Yeah, it, I cannot escape. No, no. Uh, I operate in all domains. Yeah, you're a multi you're all multi-domain journalists. Yeah. A, a two-pronged question. First of all, just to be clear, be clear, there is not yet a requirement for a program or a budget line to buy an Army land-based anti-ship cruise missile or to make a modification to, you know, HIMARS or attack yeah, the attack. Is, is it not, in the NDAA? You know, yeah. No. I mean, this is the very beginning uh, of a concept as we're laying it out. I mean, you could probably take a look at other requirements and and see where that would fit in there. But, but I mean, this really is um, pretty much the beginning of a new way of thinking about it. That's not to say that things we've done before, you could look at them and say, you know what, I could modify that, I could do that, but I think not at the magnitude that we're talking about. Now, clearly not at the magnitude that we're talking about. Now, the second pragmatics question. Yeah. I know the Secretary of Work mentioned uh, in passing that you know, if you guys answer these questions about multi-domain battle, investments will flow, which mm -hmm. is a good promise, but a, a somewhat vague one. Yeah. Are you guys, in terms of you know, support from uh, the DoD yeah. capability, strategic capabilities office or other parts, you know, able to? Are, are you talking now for the 2018 budget? Yeah. Or maybe you know for the 2019 budget, whenever that happens, uh, about assistance in your in your budget to work on this. Yeah, so uh, luckily I'm not the money guy in the Army. I, I work very closely with Joe Murray, the G8, and all those folks. Um, so I think there's two ways we're looking at that. One is obviously, you know, you, we're, we're constantly in the process of building palms, working with uh, the folks up on the Hill and putting together NDA and all that. And so that, that's a kind of a year-after-year after year process. What, and that, that kind of has a life cycle of its own, uh, and, and it goes on, and there's lots of things, as you know, that, that get involved with that besides just the Army's operating concept. Uh, but one of the things we're doing that sort of is sort of within our control in the Army is, uh, and he mentioned it, uh, the Secretary mentioned it uh, yesterday, today again, at our Congressional uh, breakfast, and then General Milley mentioned it, 
you know, there's a little bit of a physician heal thyself kind of thing that we're looking internally to the Army and say, well, are, are, do we have the right priorities out there? Are our processes adequate that we get the senior leaders involved? You've heard we throw out acronyms that I know can be confusing. Uh, we, we, we have a, a um, capabilities process that now is being chaired by either the chief or the, or, or the vice chief and usually has all the Army major commands there, myself. Uh, General Abrams from Forcecom and, and now General Perna from AMC. So you're getting very senior level uh, folks involved in it to one setting priorities that we probably didn't have that level of visibility with. And then the second thing is to provide some, to use a term I used already, maneuver space. Uh, if you want to make some investments to the future, and you're always going to have some level of constraint, I, no matter what our budget is, there will be a top end to it. So then part of making those priorities is, in many cases, if you're starting to think differently about the future, there are probably things that you are doing now that really uh, don't have a role in that. So how do you stop doing those things, garner some savings and capital from that, and reinvest it in something else that moves into the future? As you know, that is not an easy process. I mean, that takes a lot of not only thoughtful analysis, but then really heavy top-down leadership because there's always a serious, you know, there's always, uh, you know, constituencies built around these things that are going on. And, and that is what, generally speaking, if you look at large organizations, one of the things that challenges change is not that people didn't agree that this is a good thing to do. They just never want to stop doing what they're doing because they're comfortable, the process aligned for it or whatever. So we're looking at that in the Army, and that's related to but separate from the budget issue. And then the, we'll continue work with the OSD and the Congress and always work for more resources and, and try to do a better job of articulating what they're for and how they provide for the future and, and, and what our priorities are. And that's an ongoing process all the time. We think by having this clarity, as we gain clarity of where we're going, how we want to get there, it makes it easier for Congress and others to understand what we want to use the money for. <laughs> Let, let's say there are there are no rice bowls off the table, except for the professionalism of the army and leader development, those kind of things. We will not shortchange the quality of our soldiers, the professionalism, and so on. But other than that, um, you heard the chief talk there. Uh, he uh, he has never given me guys to Dave do this as you, but make sure you don't touch this. Leave, leave that the same. I, I, nothing has been put off limits. Yeah, go ahead. Hi, uh, James Drew from Aviation Week. Um, so as, as you look to this uh, multi-domain battle and you also have future vertical lift hanging out there, yeah. I, I think there's been some real mismatch uh, and crisscrossing about what the Army needs uh, in future vertical lift. It's got its operating concept out yeah. there where it needs to go further, faster and mm -hmm. all that. But then we've invested in ITEP engines that yeah. don't really work for capability set three. Mm -hmm. we, we've not... Um, done a big push on fate, which would go for capability set three. You need a, uh, an armed reconnaissance helicopter, but you're not really going after that first. Mm -hmm. on, on, so what, what do you need? Yeah, so let me uh, answer that question within the larger construct of how we look about the future. So as we're looking out, you heard General Milley talking, we're talking out to 2050. So, I mean, we're trying to, I mean, it sounds like a long ways away, but as you know in this business, by the time you get the technology done and pay for it, that's kind of around the corner. 
Um, and, and so we're looking out there trying to push the intellectual and, and scientific technical envelope. But we also have, as General Milley, I think, made a great point, we have to, what we call, we have to, the fight tonight kind of thing. In other words, we have a lot of things brewing around the world that, you know, God forbid, they, they brew over, but they very, we have to be ready if they can. And we can't wait to 2050. So the ITEP part of it really is a look. I mean, we're going to have, you know, these Blackhawks around for a long time. You're, we're not going to, like, um, uh, you know, kind of scrap all our Blackhawks and our M1 tanks and all that. They are going to be here for, you know, probably decades more, well into the next couple of decades. And so you, you, it is this balancing act in some time between readiness and future. In some ways, ITAP is to sort of maintain the readiness of the fleet that we have while we're also simultaneously moving toward the future. And so that, that is the challenge for armies, especially the U.S. Army. We have so many commitments around the world. We can't say, you know what, we really like to do, let me take 20 years off. Just, you know, just, just, you know, coach, take me out for the next 20 years. Don't give me any requirements. I'm just going to, we're going we're gonna to hit the summer training camp. We're going to get good. We're going to get new pads and equipment, and then we'll come back bigger and better than ever. And so we're always balancing because the worst thing we could do is the nation calls upon us tonight to do something tomorrow morning, and we can't do it. So that's real. ITAP, really, I see that as maintaining readiness. I mean, it's a future thing, but it's about maintaining readiness. Future vertical lift and beyond that really gets to our cross-domain maneuver for the future. That's an example. There's probably many others, but it's a good question. Yeah. Okay, thanks. We have one time for one more. Earlier this year, I think it was, Admiral Harris talked about cross-domain fire. Yeah. He said he envisioned, a scenario, yeah, he yeah. envisioned a scenario where, say, an F-18 could cue a land weapon by the Army. Yeah. And that, from what I understand, there was an, in 15 some kind of an uh, operation or test or assessment that did some of this to some extent. Can you give us a sense of what's coming up? Are you looking at any new cross-domain exercises or any new experiments that begin to further this concept? Yeah, so um, we are a big fan. If you look throughout history and military innovation, being able to prototype, test, and experiment, whether you was, you know, prior to World War II when they were trying to get an airplane on a battleship and led the aircraft carrier. So we have uh, a couple of venues. One is the Army Warfighting Assessment that we do out at uh, Fort Bliss. And what we are going to use that for even more so is some of the stuff you're talking about. Let's, what have, and you've heard the Chief talk about, we want to look at, let's build a multi-domain task force. What does that look like? You know, do you have a little bit of cyber, a little bit of future vertical lift, a bit of this, and then what does the network look like that? We might not have it, but can we replicate it? And, um, and so that is going to be very important. But what we want to do first is come up with the intellectual part of it, then we'll model it in our battle labs and other analytical tools, and then actually do some uh, in-the-dirt testing of it. We're, and we're trying to leverage as well activity going on in theater. So U.S. Army Europe and the UCOM AOR, uh, we're going to have a large exercise there that we're going to work in some of this concept stuff. Uh, uh, Admiral Harris, uh, General Brown, uh, user pack commander, uh, we're going to do AWA this, this year, coming year in 17. We'll be tied into Pacific Pathways to bring in some of our coalition and joint partners as forcing functions to, to really um, stress the network, our doctrine. Can you do the interoperability? You know, you heard... Um, our uh, coalition partners up there, that's always 
their their big uh, point uh, is interoperability. You know, John McLaughlin actually made a great point, uh, and it's kind of a I don't want to say a wake up call, but but it is instructive us. He says, look, you know, from our point of view, we only we only have one United States. He says, you know, you have you know 54 Australians. Because in other words, there are 54 different. Uh, coalition people here at this uh, forum, AUSA, that we're working with. But in many ways, our coalition folks wait for us to say, okay, this is the network we're doing. This is it. Because they say, once you do that, then we're all in for whatever it is. So that does put the burden on our back that, you know, it's not just the U.S. military, but it's other people that are waiting for us to kind of say, this is it. This is the bayonet. We're all going to buy this bayonet. Make sure you get the right thing on your rifle for our bayonet to fit on. And so I, I thought it was instructive that he said that. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so, yeah, so uh, in the Pacific, they're doing that already. And at AWA last year, uh, we had a Marine unit there. We'll have a Marine unit and an Army Airborne unit. Uh, and then we had, gosh, European and Pacific units there as well. And we find that that really accelerates um, innovation because soldiers, Marines, sailors, airmen, you give them stuff on the ground, they start playing with it and working each other. They figure out stuff that would take, you know, decades for us in the Pentagon to figure out. How are we on time? That was it, sir. So um, oh. I apologize on the time with the logistics of the conference. Um, if you need a follow-up, you can get with me or Tom after, and then we'll, we'll run that question down for you. Sir, if you have any last moments. Yeah, no. I mean, and so this, this is a long process. They, um, um, they started writing early in battle in 1973, and it took them eight years from when they had the concept that they put out. Now, I think Joe Milley doesn't want to wait eight years. He told me that. I, I, I might have eight weeks. I don't know. Uh, but, but these things are sort of continual processes, so this is just the very beginning part of this. Uh, but the important part, like I reiterated before, what concepts do, our concepts are how we change the Army. So the fact we're putting out a concept in and of itself means we want to change the Army. What we want to make sure is we don't change it on the Army by itself. And so I think just the visual of the, of the panel and, you know, General Mellon with his cool Marine uniform and everything like that, uh, that, uh, you know, brought it forth that we're trying to do this as a partner with a joint force, combatant commanders, and our coalition forces, uh, because that is the U.S.'s asymmetric capability. Uh, the technology is becoming uh, so proliferated, and it's so easy to proliferate technology with a thumb driver hack into it, that we think that's not going to give us the edge that it did in the 60s and 70s when it was really hard to proliferate technology. And so our ability to operate as a joint force Combined and maneuver in these multi-domain environments requires a lot of training and a lot of well-led unit, and it's really hard to steal training and discipline and leadership. You can't hack into it; it won't fit on a thumb drive. So we think that is our asymmetric edge. So thanks, folks. I mean, I'll be around here, you know, through the end of AUSA, so you can try to ambush me or something like that. Although my guys have every minute of my time taken up. But yeah, give us questions. Uh, if you have a real pressing question, we can. We'll either get an answer to you or try to have a follow-up session or whatever, but appreciate your time. Thanks. All right, thank you, Joe. Thanks.